Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. is episode 306 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to returning guest Colm Larkin of Gambrinos about their car-backling action-adventure game, Cardpocalypse. Long-term listeners may recognise Colm's name. That's because he appeared in episode 68 of The Sausage Factory many, many moons ago. When he's back chatting about this extraordinary game. And believe me, it is extraordinary. So well-developed and well-created. It doesn't surprise me at all, that Gambrinos were the people behind Carpocalypse, because I first saw it at a PAX, can't remember which one, but I was immediately drawn to it. I do love my tabletop games, and to have that kind of gameplay being leaking into video games is, is good, I believe, I maintain. So, without further ado, let's listen to me from the past, chatting to Colm about Carpocalypse. Chris, if you'd be so kind. Colin. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm well after five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice who to are you? Yeah, who are you? What do you do? Um, so I'm Colin Larkin. I'm based in Dublin in Ireland, and I'm the founder of Gambrinus um, Game Studio. We've now launched two games. So I talked to you five years ago when we had just launched Guild of Dungeoneering. Yes. And now we've um, released our follow-up game last year. Um, Cardpocalypse on a whole lot of platforms um, and it's coming to Steam now after kind of a year long wait uh, next Monday. So you have no idea Depends depends when you're listening to this probably. Yeah I know it will be be things we are talking in the past people in the future listening to this time (laughs) but uh, so um, yes as Colin said in August 2015 episode 68 of the Sausage Factory Yeah and you said you're on episode 306 now? 306? So, so you know, we've been chugging along, and we've had a lot of return guests recently for obvious reasons. The show been going this long; a lot of developers reappearing, going, "Well, I've done this now." Uh, I think Mm. uh, our last return guest was Inkle with their pen. Oh yeah, they're very interesting. Yeah, with uh, that was wonderful. Uh, Pen Dragon message. We we used we used one of their tools, making Cardpocalypse Ink. There you go. Like a writing tool. 
It's a very small industry. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, John Ingalls sends his regards then. <laughs> but uh, lovely man. But we, we um, curse him as well. But but uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, we did go a little bit deep on the old Arthurian legend stuff because that stuff is fascinating <laughs> for all sorts of horrible reasons. Um, but um, no, I've been really fighting to get you on the show, Colin, because I knew about Carpocalypse some time ago. I've been trying to, and just uh, shows and stuff. You give you business card and then it evaporates into some weird ether place and it never gets passed on to the relevant people very frustrating but finally through the magic of the internet we, we we managed to sort it out and when i got the email saying oh we got an, yeah we got an expansion really yes uh, for, for a game that's been out a year that i've been wanting to talk about for ages thanks but here we are uh, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's uh, it's always been a, a, a joy to when I'm walking around the expo. I always make sure make a beeline and go, oh look, it's here, and have a quick go of it. And uh, it's just a beautiful, charming game. And it sounds a bit trite to say it, but it's the only way I can describe it. Uh, but it's also um, deals with some very uh, difficult issues in a very um, sensitive way, which I think is wonderful. That, yeah, yeah, and that's something we we try quite hard to do. Mm. But before we um, delve into that, yeah, much you know, if you want to know, you know, how did Colin make start his make make his start making video games, or indeed what his biggest influences are, or what developer did most admire the industry and why, those three questions he answered in episode sixty eight. <laughs> now, if you want to <laughs> I answer, if questions, still true. I wonder if they're still the same. <laughs> yes, I mean, do you want to answer number four again? I don't mind. Um, but uh, we, we, you know, four being what developer do you most admire in the industry and why has that changed in the last five years? Maybe, maybe. I don't even know what I would have said. No, I can't remember what you said. Yeah. Um, it's probably similar enough. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, the, um, yeah. Go on. These days, I really, really admire people like um, Supergiant. Yeah. Um, just made Hades, but they made you know Bastion and Transistor. You know, I'd have been admiring them back then, but they'd have seemed almost out of reach. Yeah. You know, like wow, what they're making is, you know, to me at the time, triple A. Yeah. Now, now I still see that it's still out of reach. It's, but uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. it's 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 not too dissimilar. It's 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 like their kind of games are what I would aim for. You know, wow, they're so amazing, so polished. Yeah. And then, that's yeah. that's definitely a company I admire. Yeah, and they do come up a lot when I ask this question. Uh, and I remember at PAX West last year when we used to have PAXs. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we are again in the future when you listen to this. I don't know. Um, but uh, that, that I went to one of the, the presentations they gave there because they were kind of celebrating 10 years of Supergiant. And it was, um, yeah, it was quite quite moving to have these very, these people with very little egos, if at all, say, I don't know, kind of make it up as you go along. Not everyone else does. They've, yeah. they've got it's the they've reality, got, isn't it? Yeah, but they've got some magic that they don't know what it is, and if they if they could bottle it up, they would try and well, they, they would. Say I think it, they've but, successfully yeah. and repeatedly bottled it up. They, yeah, I'm really yeah. really impressed by what they're putting yeah. out. So it's amazing how they made an adventure game out of ultimately what was a rugby game. <laughs> or I, I could, didn't play that one. Yeah, that's could, on my list. Still, yeah, it, it seems be. too crazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. It's also a little bit of handball, really. Actually, thinking about it, but yeah. 
It looked like basketball to me, but no, I, it's, it's not. Based on like a screenshot, it's, I'm misremembering probably. Unfortunately, not. I actually talked to Greg Kazavin about this because I know him. He's been on the show, and uh, I said, "You make rugby?" He said, "Yeah." Ah, interesting. <laughs> so it's basically well, it's more about where the ball is positioned on the on the pitch rather than hitting the goal. Yeah, yeah. And is no one wearing armor then? Nope. Because <laughs> uh, I know rugby. And, oh yes, <laughs> the US audience might, might no. find it a bit strange. Indeed, but uh, he he knew I'd sort of clock onto it. Yes, exactly what we did. Uh-huh. Cool. But you know, minus the scrum, of course, there's only three players at side. But that's like, you know, you can still do touch. And do rugby that. sevens. Yeah, rugby sevens. Yeah. So uh, this uh, this next question, and I do have to ask this question to every guest, regardless of the repeat. Or not, because this, te- this is the only topical question we have on the entire show. Is uh, what are you playing right now? Um, right now, the last couple of weeks, most playtime has been into Crusader Kings Three. Oh, so that's just out. That's actually that's another uh, company I admire, Paradox. Right, they own their like area of expertise, a deep strategy. Yeah, um, and it's interesting know, look, how they approach it as well because they start off traditionally. I'm not saying now, but for traditionally, they start off with a bare bones thing. Yes, I was thing. about to bring that up. Yeah. So Crusader Kings Two, I went and looked at it recently, which I, I think I own Crusader Kings Two, and I'd say maybe I own one or two DLCs I haven't really explored. But I went and looked at it recently because three was coming out, and to buy it with all the DLCs is something like 150 euro. Wow! So they've made so many expansions. Yeah, and they do really well because their games aren't really a game; they're more like a hobby. So if your favorite hobby has more content, of course you'll buy it. Um, yeah. So yeah, they they have a long term play. They'll make stuff and they'll keep expanding it, and that's great for for super fans. Yeah, build a framework, and you know, four X games are like that. And yeah, uh, Stellaris, Stellaris is a... it's great. Oh. Just keeps on giving, and yeah. you know, it's on consoles. I can't get that into my head. It I is. haven't tried. <laughs> you have to. Uh, I'm just like, how? I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, people do play on those, and that's fine. Knock yourself out. I mean, people did say that about Elite Dangerous, but that's a different beast. That I can see that working, and it does work exceptionally well. But when it comes to Stellaris, like, I mean, I did play. Civ Revolution back in the day, yeah, that was designed. That's for good. Consoles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but wow, um, I'm, I, I didn't know that. I'm amazed. That's impressive. So, what what is it about Crusader Kings Three that? So, I, I played a, a bit of two um, years ago, and hadn't gone back. And it's really interesting. It's like a, it's like Football Manager, um, for history. Okay. So it's like you know a spreadsheet game. A game yeah. where you're watching things slowly happen. Right. Um, it's not a clicker. And then you click. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're yeah. clicking on everything. You are clicking. But like you know, yeah. things things unfurl very slowly, really. Um, and right. it's a grand strategy game. Yeah, you're trying to kind of take over the world a bit. But usually, what's really happening is you're trying to manage your succession. You know, mm. oh, I've built this little kingdom, but it's going to fall apart because the way our inheritance works in the year 1000 AD. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a, a weird, bizarre story simulator. Um, okay. I'd say it's amazing for streaming for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I have a great time playing it, but I'm sort of playing by myself and it's, it's cool, but it'll be better with an audience, I bet you. 
<laughs> Speaking of someone who does stream, uh, I can relate to that. Some games stream better than others. I think the one that drew some significant attention was Time Crisis 4 on the PS3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I don't know. They saw me wielding this massive orange gun. I think that might have been it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would help, yeah. That would help. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just that that thing came out just before um, just before the Move PlayStation Move came out with all the cameras. So they so Capcom, knowing everyone had LCD screens at the time or do now, they actually released this LED system that you put on either side mm. of the. Of the Ortelli, and it works. It really works. Man, uh, I didn't even know that existed <laughs> outside the arcade. No, it does. It looks up, and, sure. it, and it feels like an arcade in a home. It really, mm. really, really does. Because you know, for me, you know, shooty, shooty, bang, bang games with that is just that is like the the the, the pinnacle of, of the arcade experience. Getting a little yeah. game, shooting at a screen, and, and uh, I'm yeah, I'm terrible shooting stuff with a controller. Yeah, I'm very, very bad. I don't have that muscle memory shooters yeah. from with the controller. <laughs> and this thing is, it, it, there's a first person game in it as well that allows you to move around the screen and then you, you sort of aim. Oh, it's just it's clunky as hell. But they were trying, Colm. They were trying. Bless. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just had a whale of a time. But it's it was one of those problems. You can't play it for more than an hour because it's just you get tired. You get tired. It's not that, but it's not physically tired because you're constantly. But also, the the spectacle of it all is kind of <laughs> does your head overwhelming. Hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like being in a yeah, it's like, like a movie. It's, it's constant. It's just relentless. Yeah. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to stop now because I'm old. That's what I said at the end. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. much more of a fan of slower paced stuff. Yeah, yeah, games, yeah, yeah. I'll get Things that. that I don't know, like maybe disrespect my time in a way, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're not packing yeah. everything in. They let me play my own pace. Yeah, yeah. You you can hit pause or like you like you yeah, say, yeah. A spreadsheet game is not. They're not going to add the numbers up until you do something. Usually, yeah, exactly. So yeah. B- both our games have no action sequences. Um, they're both no. essentially based. There's never. a a reaction, you know, re- you know, a mini game that needs your reactions or anything. No, that was that was on purpose. You know, it, it would be easy to add a little segment like that, but when ninety nine percent of the game works one way, you know, we're careful to to maintain that. So, you know, that might change the future for other games, but you know, Carpocalypse and Gilded Engineering both very respectful of your attention. Yes, um, it's up to you when you need to do anything. Nothing happens without you doing. Nothing it. happens without you doing something. That's very good. Which is kind of handy for streamers. I noticed it's a side effect. Yeah, you can stop and talk to your audience, read, do other things. You don't. Yeah. You won't miss something. You won't fail just because you were looking elsewhere. Yeah, it's difficult when you're playing like, especially older arcade games or something like that. So I was, I was yeah, doing, I'd say. Yeah. Can you even pause them? That, no, not really. <laughs> So you can't really pause asteroids because yeah. you're just like, I'm sorry, little Bill's after me now. He's going to blow me. Oh, I'm dead now. See, now I can yeah. read chat. Hang on. You see people playing these, like Ikaruga or something, you know, or something similar. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm, dedicated I attention. I, and then chat sort of streaming off in the corner going, 
they're saying something. I don't know what I can't look. I can't because there's a there's a wave of bullets heading my way. I can't look at the chat, <laughs> and uh, so that's quite quite amusing. So you have to just wibble on and ignore them, which is really frustrating. But uh, ah, anyway, that aside, anything else before we move on to the second half where we delve deep into Carpocalypse? No, let's go for it. Let's do it. Now, a bit of a virtual green room stuff, we tried to uh, encapsulate what Carpocalypse is. Pretty much failed to do the full word pitch. It's not possible. It's impossible. But, uh, Colm, in your own words, please tell us what is Carpocalypse. So, it's a single-player card game adventure. Um, but when we delve into what that is, it's narrative-heavy. You're, you're playing as a kid in school. Um and you and all your friends collect this card game. So then there's a game within the game because we make you play that card game. So it's, you know, a, a CCG within a narrative-heavy RPG. Yes. Now that's a, there's a lot of acronyms there, so it, so it is, it's a hard game to pitch. Yeah, well, but that's, that's it's, uh, that's a, to its credit, you know, to its credit, because it has layers, everyone. There you go, there's that reference. Well done. <laughs> now you've got Shrek in your mind. You're welcome. <laughs> but it does have onions. It's like onions. Uh, but uh, it is extremely narrative heavy, and it doesn't hit you over the head with stuff. It just asks you to accept it and 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 be in the world it provided it offers to you. And there's little hints about aspects of it. For example. There's Jess, the main protagonist. She's in the, in a wheelchair, and she's sitting there. And, and the opening thing is she's sitting there watching a TV show with with an aerial on top of the TV, which is a box. And you go, "Huh? Why is she watching TV? Because <laughs> because that's you know, if we're in modern times, she wouldn't be doing that. She wouldn't like. Why is she fretting about missing the show? Can't she just?" Watch it on a phone on the bus, like everyone. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? If if a fifteen year old plays Carpocalypse now, they're probably confused by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I forget, you know, I'm I'm 40 now this year. Um, so the game is set in the 90s, um, early 90s, pre-internet is basically it. Uh, so yeah, you know, you had to watch TV at the right time to catch your favorite show. Um, and it has this magical aspect of like myths and rumors in the playground. So the kids are into this card game and the TV show that you are linked. But, you know, you can't just look up on the internet and go, no, it's the card coming out. We can. Yeah. So it's kind of an exciting time where your local playground or group of friends or a magazine would, would tell you news and you'd just have to like circulate that. There was a lot of rumor and gossip about things you, you cared about. That's right. The uh, that's, that's one of the reasons we tapped into that kind of time frame. The vast, so, yeah, to to just before, just before it happened, though, it's a wonderful point to do it just before the internet arrived properly, because it was around in the nineties, but not as not as prevalent or as pervasive as it is now. So that was very clever, and that just that did throw me like. Why is she watching a TV? Bro- I mean, the first thing is why is she watching broadcast? Her- oh wait. <laughs> yeah, so we have, you know you've probably seen this as you've explored the school. Um, yes, yes. Brad, who's the art director on the game, um, spent a lot of time putting stuff in the background to to notice a lot of like silly jokes and references, but it's all kind of reinforcing that the nineties era. Yeah, I did uh, notice one kid reading a fighting fantasy book. That was nice. Yeah. Love Death that. Trap Dungeon, very well done. I, I spotted it. See, <laughs> cheers for that. Even the cover was right. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's, uh, the Death Trap Dungeon cover. Yeah, <laughs> a great piece of art. Beautiful. Uh, I remember having that book. Yeah, not sure if I finished that one. I know I finished uh, Fire Top Mountain, but I don't remember doing that one. I need to get back to that. Maybe you rub <laughs> fingers. Fingers, lots of yeah. fingers. <laughs> Kind of like keep your save game. Yeah, it's like analog version of keeping your save game. <laughs> so, um, well, let's on move on to the first question then, because you talked about yes, it's got a lot of narrative, and we'll speak about that later on in the show. But um, I want to talk about the card game because it is a, a very important part of the game, uh, and there's, uh, it's it is a traditional. Uh, CCG in that you have cards with various icons on them, meaning and they can do certain things um, and you start off with 30 hit points, you, you're playing a champion so the, the champion is actually on the table, unlike magic where the you you are the person being attacked uh, the, and the, the champion is collectible yes, you, you, you swap them in and out, you, you pick one champion and that's you for the, the battle you can use a different one in a different part. So you kind of build your deck around them. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's very similar to Hearthstone in that regard. Yeah, so Hearthstone Hearthstone, and our card game, which is called Power Pets, um, or Mega Mutant Power Pets, if you want to give it a yeah. little time. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's simple like Hearthstone. We, we looked at Hearthstone a lot for that like ease to jump in. Um, and I would say Netrunner, if you've ever played that, or if anyone has. Yeah, has, yeah. This nice thing they call them identities. Um, so you kind of build your deck around like your starting card, like our champion, and they have certain abilities. Um, and it was really nice in that runner. It gave flavor and it gave deck building um, kind of suggestions because you see, oh, this gives a bonus to X, and you look through your cards for things that have X. Yeah, and that's. So, but it's quite 
you probably notice this, it's quite, if, especially if you're into card games, it's a very simple card game to begin with. On purpose, in Apocalypse. Absolutely. I found it to be very familiar. Uh, I've been playing lots and lots of card games. I love analog card games as it is. <clears throat> and this one really appealed to me. There's lots of little tricks and like you have rather than a manner you have pet food which you have to give to the pets of the champions because it's they're mutant pets that's the whole point that's the whole theme <laughs> and you have a little pet food bowl which then is bright green and then fills up and fills up and just it's an extremely tactical game extremely tactical game i found the, the timing is absolutely incredibly important there are times when I'm seeing my opponent build up this monster thing that I had at one point an attack of 32. <laughs> and I was like, I can't let that fire. I can't let that fire. And uh, I managed to avoid it. But they almost took me out with it. But uh, they, I killed them before they could unleash it. Nice. But, yeah, thank you. I was proud of myself. Put myself on the, pat myself on the back of my back when I did that. I went, yeah, still got it, Chris. All those Slay the Spires hours really for you instead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who've also been on the show I point out um, but uh, yeah so um, I've got to ask though there's a mode that I want to talk about because um, what is quite interesting and I've, I don't remember encountering this before I might have done it in another game but I don't remember ever seeing it is the concept of the mega mode or when you go sort of mega mega yeah yeah, it's quite a nice mechanic. Um, Tell us about it. How did it so come I'll, about? I'll talk about that. Yeah. So you have this champion card, which is your health, but also can attack. So it's also like a piece on the board. Yes. Um, and it has special abilities. So that's pretty standard. And you build your deck around them. So as soon as you start playing, they're in play. So imagine you're playing Magic, but you had a like kind of commander started in play. Um, yeah, so we had this nice idea of them being a flippable card. So if it was, uh, you know, on tabletop and they go mega when they lose half their health and that's when they flip over and it's a nice little catch up mechanic. So for you to beat your opponent, they'll go through their mega form. So at half health, they'll go mega and they'll get different abilities. They usually have a a thing that happens, something special that helps them when they flip and then they're often stronger in mega form. So it's a nice kind of catch-up mechanic in that if you start you're playing a match and you're losing, you might go mega first, and that'll give you a chance to catch up a bit. But it's also a really nice space for design. So we've made champions who are way better when they go mega, and some champions who have like kind of they're kind of difficult to work with when they go mega. So you have to you really have to consider this when you're building your deck. And lastly, I want to say timing. So it's quite a simple game at first look. Because you're summoning, you know, minions, which are just units on the on the tabletop, and they fight each other, and the champions fight as well. But the timing of going mega is, is very interesting. So you can cause yourself to go mega on your turn by attacking with your champion and taking damage and going under that threshold of 15 to flip. Um, or you can wait and make them attack you, um, you know, so that you'll go mega in their turn, and then you'll probably have it ready to go on your turn. Um, things that, and you have to watch that when you're, you know, playing against the AI opponent as well. Sometimes you don't want to attack them, and you want them to instead attack you and kind of trigger the mega on their turn, so you're ready to deal with it on your turn. So that had a there's a surprising amount of depth around the the kind of going mega uh, side of things. 
despite it being really quite simple at first glance. What I found is the the mantra I have when in the, the last third of a, a match is um, definitely a case of just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Yeah, um, yeah like fair. just yeah, just because you can attack them, maybe you shouldn't. Um, yeah, and it's definitely a, the way I play. It's often I'll be trying to control the board, not necessarily win as quick as possible. Or yeah, just making sure. I have more minions out or whatever I have there is is safe. Having a wall of defenders in front of you is just yeah, like, yeah. come at me, bro. <laughs> 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 what are you going to do? All right, chip away at those things. Knock yourself out. You know, I'm going to sit here and just <clears throat> strengthen up and you're now down to three hit points and I've got 19. You know, that that has happened. You know, it's, um, it's quite intriguing. But even the phrase going mega... Is good. So we, yeah. we, the whole Mega Mutant Power Pets cartoon slash card collectible card game that the kids are so into is set. It's like inspired by nineties cartoons that we watched. Uh, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mega Mutant Mega Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, not a cartoon, but you know all that kind of stuff. Um, things that had theme songs and things that were like even nineties toy ads. They're always extremely over the top. Um, not exactly subtle, uh, and that's what we were channeling. Yeah, I think there was one part in the opening segment where uh, Jess is saying, "Wait, I'm waiting for the main character to go." Ha ha ha! Oh look, he's doing it. It's like <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> that little bit of voice acting. Yeah, it's a laugh, and then the like cartoon does the same laugh. Yeah, <laughs> just it's just so beautiful. It's just like oh. She's really into this show. It's terrible. And she knows it as well. She knows it's terrible. But uh, it's just great. Um, so we've already mentioned the fact that it's a CCG. Um, and with it is collecting. But is it? But is it? Uh, but there is deck building. You can't deny that. Yeah. That's you're, quite you're, important. You're definitely playing a CCG. Yeah. The overall game. Because see, we, as we were designing it, you know, we basically realized it was a classic RPG is what we were making. Yeah. And the CCG was the combat system, combat and loot system. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you found designing the deck building aspect? Because that can be open to significant exploitation and min-maxing, I've found. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the good news is it's single player, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> we, we, we didn't have to obsess about balance as much as as we would have had to if this was, say, a Hearthstone competitor or a Magic Gathering competitor. So Magic, they still do this. They somehow still release cards that they have to ban. You know, the print of the card and it's too strong. And they didn't realize this until it's out in the wild and people find some broken combination using it. Um, that's a little easier for, like, digital-only games in that they can change it. They don't need to reprint things. Um we didn't need to spend as much time trying to catch those issues before they happen because it's actually kind of fun to make broken combos in a single player game. So if you're playing pick any RPG and you find some like crazy cool combo that lets you one shot people, brilliant. It's a great feeling. It's, it's you understanding the systems and taking advantage of them. So we were actually happy to enable that in our card game. Balance is not that important in Power Pets. Um, and more than that, 
the cards themselves aren't balanced. So your average card game, your typical card game, which need, needs multiplayer level of balance, and it needs balance between the cards you, you get because you often get them in, in booster packs. So you're buying random cards. So even though some are rarer than others, you can't have a, a thing where essentially only the rare ones are good. But in our game, it's a single player game. Um, that's fine. It's actually great. So as you start playing Card Apocalypse, we give you quite bad cards. And over the course of playing through the story, we start giving you clearly better cards later on. And, you know, it's going back to it being an RPG again. That's, you know, your typical power curve of, you know, the level one sword you find versus the level 21. They don't need to compare. Yeah. It's... Um, that's what struck me is that it's the conceit of the single player experience, isn't it? You can get away with not having to do too much balancing, and it's okay if the player wants to create a, a completely broken deck. That's entirely on them if that's where they want to experience the game and and feel they can just sort of bulldoze through people. Uh, that's crazy. fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, so we, well, my counter to that is I, I recently, well, I think late last year, say recently, late last year, I finished Dragon Quest Eleven. And the last bit, I inadvertently, I wasn't trying to. I found myself driven or winding down the road of min-maxing to the point where the boss fight, I kid you not, I had to stop. Just one shot of and walked, 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 walked away, put the controller down, let it play itself because I didn't need to do anything and actually made a cup of tea while the big boss fight happened. A big crescendo. I'm like, I, I got nothing for you. Just like, oh, we've but changed. You know what? <laughs> that. That is a typical problem in RPGs because yeah. you want optional side quest content and you want yeah. re rewards for that, like leveling up or nice loot. And you also want the main quest to be pursuable without doing those side quests. So there's no way to have a perfect boss for you know the completionist and the person who just sticks to the main quest. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, um, that's fine. We, we had that issue as well. So um, I don't know about... Dragon Quest, I bet you did have this, but, you know, they usually have the optional impossible side bosses. And that that's for the person who's a super completionist or who's right. like pursuing yeah. the broken combos. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we we put them into Carpocalypse 2. We have challenges. They're like um, special, special rule matches, and you have to kind of build a special deck to try them. Um, and they they're available across, you know, various days of the story but they they wait for you to so you can come back and try them later as well they're always there yeah they, they, I, I found those intimidating because i'm like sitting again i'm really into the story here but uh do i want to do some like projective number crunching or not number crunching but the thing about building this decks is you have to create just enough stuff that's affordable initially because the worst thing you want to do is load the deck to a point where like, I can't play anything until I get like yeah, seven yeah. seven and bits of dead. and you might be dead by the time and it's a common common error that people when they first build decks and deck builders they don't realize that the uh, gray stuff or the you know the low the low cost stuff is of little use no 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 important. that's that's even more important than because you can actually get to play those <laughs> did you notice we we did something I'm quite proud of which yeah. is um to ease people into playing a card game, um, we we make your deck for you. Yes. So we give you a deck, right? 
You do, yeah. How the game works. Here's your deck, and then we give you a new card. That's a new color. You know, it's a different color. It's a themed card. It's not one of the gray ones. And then we let you just swap it. And that's a really easy decision. Yeah. You know, um, if we're telling you just make a deck. Here's like a hundred cards. Make a twenty card deck. Yeah. That's that's a bit overwhelming for a new player. That's what I call the Dota. I, I would actually of, find uh, that fun because I'm a you know hardcore card person. Yeah, for yeah. A yeah. lot of people that that is too much. So yeah. we did it where we're just saying, look, you can see all twenty of your cards on screen. Yeah. They're all quite simple. Like not even the starting ones. That not many of them have uh, abilities. And here's a new card. So you just need to take one out and put it in. So we're kind of training people to be deck builders without them realizing. And what I love the fact that sometimes you sort of defeat a boss, or not not so much defeat a boss, but you you complete a very significant encounter with someone, with a discussion, or not an encounter, an engagement is better, uh, or you know just a, a a scene. There you go, a scene, and it ends with you know you they give you a card and uh, you're given a choice of these two cards, and I found myself going, well, that doesn't suit my style of play. That one, I just I can't see myself building. To a point where I can trigger that, so I don't want that one. And that was quite early in the game, so mm-hmm. that's a credit to the design of the card game and for me to know I already knew what my playstyle was of a game I only just picked up an hour before. Going, that's not what I do. And it was, it was. And funnily enough, so- someone else will have a whole different idea. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I said we we give you a deck, but very very soon into the story, everything resets. Yes, and, yes. And we give you four decks. So you that- do. Yeah, the four, the four different factions you can play. We give you the, like a starter deck for all four, so yeah. you can you can jump back and forth and kind of find the playstyle you want to pursue. So, we're now going to talk about the narrative side of Cardpocalypse because it would be wrong to just to bang on about card games and that sort of stuff. It's because it's that's although it's important, it is very much married in with a extraordinarily well written and uh, delicately delivered story of of Jess she's she's disabled she's in, in a wheelchair she's in the 90s so she's already worse off no probably better off than thinking about it uh, and uh, but in all seriousness what I love about how you dealt with that is that that's not what she is you know her disability doesn't isn't she that's not her if you get it's it's, it's part yeah, of her but you you know everyone who encounters not her, her only thing no it's not her only thing at all it's mentioned in passing sometimes like hey that's a cool wheelchair is it, is it new oh yeah my parents saved up for a new one because i grew up my old one that was a lovely thing it was just but it wasn't it doesn't and define who she is does it not at all uh, and on purpose you yeah know, it's just it's a facet of her character but it's it's funny enough it's not even that important no and I, I really like that and it's not that important to the game it's not a game about um you know being a wheelchair user it's a game about being a kid in school and also and i love i really yeah, love cool. we've basically picked the age group they're 10 year olds 10 yeah okay yeah and 10 year olds do accept things really quickly yes they don't you know they're not not yet at that age where you're in secondary school and you ha- feel like you have to fit in or have... Well, that's, uh, that's when the know. tribes come in, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. So yeah, It's the breakfast um, club. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah. The kids of this age are just kind of in that magical pre-coolness phase yes. where, yeah. where someone like Jess, uh, being a wheelchair user, you know, very quickly becomes an 
just never kind of seen by kids. No, after the initial uh, novelty of it, they don't see the wheelchair. Um, so they I see, really love that. Yeah, yeah, they just see her. They see, and uh, I mean, and it's an pre- interest. Credit to our writers there. Yeah, very talented writers. We uh, hired on for this. Brilliant. I'm really happy with how it came came out. Yeah, you you could have, you know, doubled down on that, but that would have been. You would have got a lot of pushback if you did. And you, I don't think it's in you to, to allow it to happen anyway. Uh, it's just like, you know, it's just, she happens to be in a wheelchair. That's it. You know, it's just not, it doesn't define who she is. Uh, it's just a, a facet of her. It's important. Yes, it is. But it's not, doesn't define who she is, uh, nor should it. And you're, you're playing as Jess. Yes. Um, you, you get to choose kind of the flavor of Jess you are through your dialogue responses. But it's not a blank slate, you know. Jess has a personality, so we're not we're not saying, uh, okay, this is an RPG. Create your character, and you know we have to give you this kind of here's the good choice and here's the evil choice, you know, and say that you can do anything you want. I actually find games that do that a little bland. I much prefer games where they say you're you're Geralt of Rivia, you're the Witcher, and actually kind of everyone hates you. I much prefer that because I, I feel like they can, the the creators can can give me a crafted experience. So you know, Geralt's responses are all viable for Geralt, and it's a much more interesting dialogue for that. So we, we did that with Jess as well. So you you, you have a, a character to play, and it's Jess, and it means we can have a lot more fun than if it was a, a blank slate character. Oh yeah, she's a little pistol, isn't she? She doesn't take. You know, she's, no, she's, she's yeah. She she, good. yeah. she she will push back. She will not yeah. be messed around with at all, uh, and yeah. that's and that's great. Uh, but she's also very uh, empathetic, extremely so. Uh, and yeah. you can make you can make you can actually lean into that quite a lot. You can actually delve into that side of her personality quite heavily because she, you know, there's a very early part, very early quest where you have to take a. Uh, make a funeral for a Tamagotchi, or the, and that's that's a that's a lovely scene where you have the proto goth kid who's great. I love him. Uh, he's he's into 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 death, and and yeah. <laughs> I called him a proto goth. Like oh, okay, he's, he's eventually gonna be the librarian. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's just um, we're talking about all this stuff and all these characters, and they barely say anything to you in many cases, but you already. They, they, you know, she actually makes a best friend in um, Yolanda, and uh, you know, don't call her Yo-Yo, by the way. Ever since the incident, <laughs> um, I think all of these people and- they just have personalities by the art, the, the visuals are fantastic. Really, you, you can see them. You can see them, and yeah. uh, I love their faces. Yeah. If you look at just one face from Cartpocalypse, you say, "What the hell has happened here?" Yeah, They're really weird and abstract. And yeah, goofy. But I love that because it also represents kids. Kids are goofy. They're brilliant. <laughs> you know, like we have we, we we dragged up the whole team like pictures of ourselves when we were that age, and uh, Fred, our artist, had put us all in the game. Yes, so we're all in there. You uh, are. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did and, see you in there. Yeah, it's based on our pictures from when we were about 10 yeah we all looked goofy yeah right it, it suits the art style it's like i'm not sure about this reality no no you you never by the way that whole uncertainty thing in your head yeah it never goes away 
like no one's really sure everyone pretends they're sure which makes it worse but no one really knows so yeah it's a magical time isn't it that age between 8 and and 12 and you know what else I think you're kind of touching on this the setting being in school is immediately familiar to everyone so you know you're saying oh you know you meet someone and there's only a couple lines of dialogue but already you're almost like comparing them to someone who said something like that when you were in school yeah oh the bullies and yeah. you know, and all of that stuff, and the judging, and already, and it's just, yeah, that's all there. It's a, we, the, most people have been to a school of some description of varying different types, you know, and uh, you know, I was a very bullshy kid, <laughs> uh, so I could relate to to Jesse's outspoken nature and filling the void, I call it. Um, but uh, you know, I would do that a lot as well, and. Uh, so yeah, I can relate to a lot of Jesse's uh, uh, so we, plight. We set the game in America. Yes, you did. Um, yeah, but now and again, we'd we'd write things and we'd say, "Wait, do American schools have a bike shed?" You know, these ideas that we'd have to kind of like check, like localize effectively. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it. America. So we're leaning on him a lot for for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 difficult, isn't it? It's um when when you have uh like cultural differences, I mean there are significant differences with British schools and American schools, uh to the point where, you know, we don't want to bore people or listeners about this, but they are profoundly different. Profoundly yeah. different. So uh, but you can get around that and it's not important. It really isn't. And we've seen enough thanks to American culture being so persuasive, we we know what this stuff means. Uh, and the fact they have lines of lockers up on the walls, like that's weird, but let's just let it happen. Um, we've, you know, <laughs> by the bell or just anything. Yeah. You know, we've, yeah. we we get a lot of American culture from from TV shows, so you know we've we've been exposed to American culture at least, so we have some of it. But yeah, yeah. you have to be careful yeah. when you're writing something. Yeah, um, a particular setting. Yeah, <laughs> I think one one kid said, "I'm going to I'm studying to go to college." Like you're you're, you're junior school. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I just wanted to sort of touch on that on Dudsdale, which is the name of the elementary school. And um, the yeah, and the town. And uh it's uh it's um it's a lovely name for you know what seemingly is mundane, which uh, things happen everyone, but I'm not going to go into details, but let's just say reality crosses into fantasy uh, in a bad yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> As well. Yeah, there's some new supernatural elements of the game which you can't deny, uh, which leads me on to my last. You know, so we, we don't need to dance around that too much. It's not like, but the the monsters from the card game start invading the school. They do. That's when the supernatural become goes into the the normal world. That's right. Which leads but me on to oh god, effect as well. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah. We we start at that point. You're kind of ha- about halfway through the game. And you've kind of started to master the card game and you've collected a, quite a lot of cards at that point. And we start getting you to change the rules of the card game. Yes. So we give you choices that will change from then on for you and every everyone else fundamentally change some of the rules of the card game. So this is going back to it's single player. What can we get away with? Right. Right. And we... Uh, we're drawing on also having played things like Pandemic Legacy. <laughs> this idea of 
making a permanent change to your game state. You make your your own unique kind of combination or story by the end. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, I, I think that's a really fun side of things that would be very hard to pull off in in your typical. Yeah, it would be very difficult to pull off. I think another example of that would be flux. Yeah, yeah, that keeps changing the rules. Yeah, <laughs> you can now draw three cards. Oh, come on! Yeah. <laughs> Whoever can do the best German accent wins the. Oh, please! <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, I was, I was about to say the last question. I don't want to end this, but we're going to have to. I'm afraid, Colin. Uh, is we're going to talk about a DLC now, which is uh, because the reason we've got Colin on is because, first of all, Carpocalypse is now going to be uh, now available on Steam. Yeah. Um, uh, up until now, it was on Epic Store, which is fine, uh, and uh, which is where I first saw it. Other than at Expos, which I kept on playing it because it was great. Um, but there's a new DLC out to celebrate this called Out of Time, um, yeah. and it is its own separate thing. You know, yeah. you don't have to finish the game and then the exactly. main game and go into. It's not like that. You can actually delve into it, and it, yeah, it's go a on. Standalone adventure. Yeah, uh, it's a standalone. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm really proud of it. Um, so yeah, and it's a kind of a Groundhog Day experience. So you're in, a, you're trapped in a time loop. You are. So you're, you're reliving the same day over and over, and that that is just immediately fun. You start messing with expectations, people's in-game expectations, but it's still the same kind of game. You're still in in school, collecting cards, playing. The, uh, we give you one champion that you change, rather than lots of different champions that you can swap in and out, um, and some other fun things like that. So it's kind of like a kind of like an interesting remix of of the Cardpocalypse main campaign, main story. For me, it felt like. A roguelike in that you're playing the same experience, rerunning, doing multiple runs, but there's a there's a continuation, there's a there's a there's one thing, there's one thing that you latch onto from the previous experience that you keep with you to for the next run of that day. Was that a deliberate thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we really like roguelike experiences. Um... It's hard to do roguelike plus narrative. Yeah. But it is possible. Um, Prey, really excellent game, made a, a roguelike DLC. I think it's called Moon Crash. Did you play that? No, I didn't know. I didn't know they did that. It's very interesting because it's so hard to do, but they did it. Um, so it's like they made a little separate side world of Prey, which is like you're on a space station. Indeed, uh, yeah. But you pick a character and the character has a goal but they all start in different parts and you can play them sequentially. So you can go in, I'll make an example, and you go to a certain area and blow everything up and then escape with that character or lose. And then yeah. you pick one of the other character points, go back to that place, everything's blown up. Uh, <laughs> and that might actually mess up your attempt or someone's you have been through there earlier and looted all the good stuff. Um, so it's a really it was a really interesting take on roguelike because it was like roguelike where each run was in a shared space, which is very similar to a resetting time loop with the same character. Yeah, and I, I just love the fact that you got that single character, that single champion that everyone thought was terrible, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then there's subtle hints like, well, she starts off like that. 
but Fun. eventually she becomes this all conquering. Well, I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she she mutates into something entirely different to the point where a little bit OP, but then again, overpower doesn't count in a single player. Yeah. Um, you know, but she really, mate. She... <laughs> <laughs> You struggle, and then you get mastery, and then you get to be OP. That's, yeah. that's what we have. That's right. You struggle, and then you get... And then she's just... But it's great, for once again, the, the time loop thing, to be Bill Murray. Who doesn't want to be yeah. Bill Murray, really? Uh, minus the, the strange little, like, ferret creature. Um, but uh, what was the name? Oh, God. Yeah. Groundhog. Yeah, Groundhog. There you go. And it didn't see his shadow. And it, that's not there. But other than that, yeah, you get to be Bill Murray only with a card game and, and a, a, a Jess, a ten-year-old girl in in a yeah. Okay, it's not a lot of similarities there, but anyway, <laughs> there is the time loop, and I thought it was a wonderful idea of actually creating a a, a roguelike in in a, in a very narrative game in a card game as well because you like. And how does that work? What's, where's the continuity then? Oh wait, that's where you put it in the champion. Brilliant, brilliant yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah. We, we've also made like a, a purely roguelike mode with no narrative called Gauntlet Mode. That's true. Yes. I've... So that's more, more like Slay the Spire. You know, yeah. you're trying to, or, or drafting, you know, from Magic, um, where you're, you're playing just repeatedly like ever more difficult battles. But in between, you get a choice of cards and a power up for the rest. You know, you kind of build your deck as you go. So that's for the pure card game enthusiast. It's really good. A lot of replayability. It's very difficult. Much more difficult than the, the narrative game. It is. Card game. It, yeah. I mean, why not do that? It's in there, damn it. The mechanics are in there. Why not throw it in? Um, so it's a nice remix kind of, of existing content. And it's good yeah. as well. You know, as a narrative game, it's nice to have a mode that's replayable. Yes. To say that, you know, if you like really like this card game, here it is delivered to you outside of the narrative. And just in smaller ex- chunks, because yeah. you know, yeah, it's hard to go back into an RPG that you've left alone for a couple of weeks. That's right, yeah. Um, while a mode like this, it's a lot easier. Like, think of a game like Slay the Spire. You could leave that for months and then come back to it and just play once for half an hour. Yeah, you don't remember all your kind of party layout and what equipment is best for each person, etc. I'm gonna say. We've had another game on the show or guests on the show talking about uh, a game they called. There's a, there's, I'm just going to sign off with this, and then we'll. But uh, a game called Round Guard, and it's it's an RPG. Pinball. Pinball. Yeah, it's basically Peggle, Pinball. but it was an RPG. Yeah. Cool idea. It's uh, and Maybe. I'm going to say Carpocalypse shares. It's I think I'm going to you know it's like a cousin, distant, yeah. but. The fact that at the core, yes, you have Peggle, right? But yeah. there's you're actually doing an you're doing an adventure. You're actually taking on bosses and doing all the things that you do in an adventure game. Only happens to involve Peggle. And well, whereas that that speaks to me as a gamer. So yeah. if you have this nice core loop, this nice fun thing you do, yeah, so it's yeah. lovely. Yes, it feels nice. It's fun. And then you you give me progression. You say yeah, but now it's a boss fight. Yeah, yeah that's the kind of gamer I am. I love that. Yeah, and you level up, and you get better weapons, and you can do special effects, and you heal, and you cast spells. It's got it all. Yeah. Still peggle. 
I'll check it out. Do you? Do, yeah. So I'm thinking with Carpocalypse, you check people walk, walk around. You, the narrative, the story grows. You you go from A, B, C, D, and what have you, and it, it, you you build relationships with the characters, and you happen to be playing an awesome card game at the same time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, what else was to get, uh, you know, hardcore card gamers to fall in love with the narrative and, you know, narrative-only people to get into a card game. Yeah. We're trying, trying yeah. to win both of them. That's a tough crowd to please. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you're basically asking the card game players to read the flavor text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of it. <laughs> Lots of it. Lots of flavor text. The people who love narrative you know yeah. to play you know what becomes a, a complicated card game yeah you sort of yeah it's a full sense of security because it's like oh you just you know just play and draw play and draw how what, what could possibly go wrong oh wait <laughs> three games later three card games later that is so Carpocalypse developed by Gambrinos and published by Versus Evil it was out now via Steam and Epic Store on Win- Windows PC and could you confirm the other platforms for us, Colin? All three major consoles, so Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. And on mobile, only on iOS via Apple Arcade. Ah, which I, which I do have. Um, Apple Arcade is it? Cards on it too, actually. I'm going to go look. <laughs> yeah. I just have to ask you, Colin, where did the Gambrinos, where did the name come from? It's sort of a made-up word, um, and it comes... From 2008, when I, I started trying to make games, but I failed. I didn't make any games until about 2013, 14 is when I started making Gilded Engineering. Um, so it's a made-up word that I got a domain for, and I like the sound of it. Um, I think at the time I found a like an urban dictionary thing that said Gambrinus meant to be full of beer, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a real, it's not a real yeah. word. Gambrinus. Yeah, it's not a real word. Good. Yeah, yeah that's great. It's, it beats the 3 a.m. Um, quick. Just, just think of, you know, colour and animal. Uh, <laughs> that'll do. Blue pig. Yes, we're called blue pig. Well, you need a name. <laughs> yeah, you need a name. You do need a name. Uh, game name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Colin, it's been wonderful hard having... Hard to type, hard to spell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably hits us hard in uh, Google searches. Oh, uh, well, yeah, but at least, you know, people can find you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Colin, it's been wonderful having you on the show again. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It's really nice to chat to you. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back again with whatever you've got, you know, just as... Yeah, it'll be episode, you know, 550, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you take that long to, for another five years. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much, Colin. Thanks so much. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com.